Hey, you're listening to the Coffee and Books and Movie Podcast. This is your host, Scott. Hope all of you are doing well today. This is Coffee and Books. Oh, yeah. Um, Remember, I have a TikTok account, a YouTube account, and I like to share my stuff, but this is my main way of communication. So remember, if you're new here, hi, I like to review movies, uh, books, anime, podcasts, comics, coffee, food from around the world, you name it, I like to try it. Um, I like art, I like science, math, psychology, you name it, history, I'm all over the place. But anyway, we're here today to talk about movies. Um, In my last episode, I reviewed Super Mario Brothers. This episode, we're going to be talking about a horror movie, Renfield, that is a dark horror comedy. It is mature, it is not recommended for kids. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about today's episode. And we're going to talk about how I, why I went, what I decided to see, uh, was it worth it? Okay. Movie theater experience, go. Um, I've recently talked in my last episode, I got the Regal Unlimited card, which is like an unlimited movie membership that pays for itself after about two movies. My second movie, which I saw yesterday, was Renfield. Renfield being the sequel slash-ish story to Dracula, the 1931 horror black and white film. Um, this is part of the universe in which, you know, the horror movies were rebooted like The Mummy and The Invisible Man. Um, It is all connected to that. Um, We all know kind of what happened, but basically The Mummy was rebooted and it was a horrific failure. The box office pretty much got it panned, you know, even though it had a, a pretty good cast in it, it was not done right. And as a result, they pretty much shut down, the studios shut down any idea of a revival of the horror monster genre. Which is a shame because some of my favorite movies are old black and white movies back in the day of horror. Um, Which is ironic because I don't like modern horror movies at all. In fact, I find them too disturbing. But, you know, back in the day, the campiness, the feel of something that wasn't real, but like more of a joke, made it interesting. You know, like the these actors and actresses from the 30s did not have anywhere near the special effects or any type of equipment to be anywhere near what it is today in terms of a movie, you know. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't like it. I definitely enjoy movies that are older and newer. I just prefer to keep my stuff on the lighthearted side. And that's where Renfield kind of draws the line for me. Renfield is probably the goriest, bloodiest movie I've ever seen. Uh, Having said that, you know, I'm sure there's way gorier out there than most of you are probably used to, but... Not for me. As a movie critic, this is something that I saw because I was interested in, A, the casting, and B, because it was a comedy. Um, You know, they took Dracula and made it more of a, a, not a lightheartedness story, but they made it a more entertaining story, I think. So who are our main characters? You know, you have people like Dracula, which is, or Count Dracula, most famously portrayed in this movie by Nicolas Cage, uh, who is one of my favorite actors. Uh, Nicolas Cage, I think, does a fantastic job, uh, but he didn't really make a lot of jokes in this movie, but we're going to get to that soon. But, you know, overall, from his appearance of the cape and to the teeth and the blood and the gore, you know, Nicolas Cage, to me, played a pretty good part. He did a very good Dracula. Then you have the character Renfield, who was played by Nicholas Holt. Uh, Renfield is the familiar to Dracula or the assistant, the guy who brings Dracula his meals uh, does his bidding for him, like clean his a cape, you know, and take it to dry cleaning, uh, to finding locations that are homes for him. Uh, but basically, those are the two main characters in the story. 
Um, you had other characters like Aquafina, who is a main cop in New Orleans, who is trying to bust drug smugglers. Um, you have so many, many different casts and characters that I can't even begin to describe all of them. But those are the three main characters. So in our storyline, uh, we kind of get a great introduction to Renfield and Dracula, which is basically that you know Renfield is explaining his codependent relationship upon Dracula. It's been now hundreds of years since that he had ran away and basically worked with Dracula. Um, I believe it was either the early 1900s or late 1800s, right around the time when Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, that the character Renfield went and, you know, became the familiar of Dracula. Now, in the original story, it was actually shown, showcased in this film, the 1930s version, where basically Renfield was a real estate lawyer who wanted to basically get rich off of Dracula and had him sign a contract. But he ended up basically being tempted by Dracula's powers, which basically made him a slave and a codependent upon them, working together in order to both survive. And in the modern era, where Nicholas Holt and you know Nicholas Cage are, you kind of have these characters, which are unfortunately kind of living uh, paycheck to paycheck, so to speak. You know, Dracula is not very popular anymore. You know, he's weak, he's injured, he's not well known, uh, you know, like he was back in the day. He's traveling from country to country, feeding off his victims. Uh, basically, he wants to, you know, you know, get well. In order to do that, he needs to suck blood and, you know, kill people. Nicholas Holt is basically bringing any kind of body he can to him. Um, and in the modern-day present era, they're in the city of New Orleans in an abandoned mental hospital. Um, but, you know, of course, there is much hilarity in this as well, uh, the hilarity being the absurdness of this movie. And that's what I wanted to get into. Now that you kind of have a little bit of a head start of knowing about Dracula, the movies of Dracula, like I said, were always entertaining to me because they were, you know, campy, you know, the old ones back in the day. And, you know, this also has its elements of campiness, too. Um, and, again, that's why I chose to see this movie. But it's kind of one of those movies, as I describe it, like Flash Gordon. If you've ever seen Flash Gordon, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a movie so bad, it's good. It's a movie that you go to the theaters to see because you're laughing at it, not because you actually think it was a good movie. It's not the next Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. It's not going to be winning Academy Awards. It's not even going to be doing any of that, and it might get a few chuckles out of you if you're lucky. But, you know, the idea behind it is you want a date night, you want to go out into the theaters. Can you both find something that you want to see? And this movie popped up on my radar and my wife's radar because we liked the casting of the people and we thought it would be funny. Um, so, like I said, the ridiculousness of the story is basically Renfield is going to these meetings where he meets other famous people along the way, you know, other famous actors, and is asking for the, their advice about dealing with his codependent relationship with Dracula. And how can he break free from this? How can he be his own strong person? And uh, the hilarity ensues because he basically decides to bring his victims to, uh, you know, Dracula. And these are people who are, aka the victims or enemies of his uh, associates in this meeting clause or meeting class. So he goes to the class, somebody will complain about their domestic abusing partner, he goes to meet that person, incapacitate them, and then drags them back to Dracula for Dracula to feed on. 
Only problem is Dracula is more interested in feeding on people like, I believe as his exact words were in a movie, were, you know, a bus full of cheerleaders, nuns, or innocent people that were honeymooning or tourists. That is what he wants to, you know, kill and eat and suck their blood. He does not care for, you know, the crime and the drug dealers and the people that he's being brought to recently. Uh, but anyway... Renfield were given a glimpse of his powers when he goes and incapacitates some of these people. He actually ends up running into a hitman who's trying to kill these bad guys as well. The hitman is very powerful, but we find out Renfield gets a small drop of Dracula's powers through bugs, and that is how he ends up enhancing his strength. So he eats a bug, he gets strong, he gets basically super crazy powers like flying and super strength, and he uses that to his advantage. Um, anyway, so where does Aquafina come in? Well, basically, while chasing over these people that are, you know, the mob in New Orleans, uh, you know, Aquafina is trying to bust one of these uh, criminal organizations wide open. But every time she tries to do this, you know, the police are corrupt and they basically let go anyone who is willing to do such a thing. Uh, so she's basically shown the door and, you know, basically got to do minor traffic stops, you know, catching drunk drivers, which is very important by the way. But, you know, she is seeing herself as, you know, a failure because her father was murdered a long time ago. And she basically is trying to avenge her father's death and, you know, work with her sister who's in the FBI um, and she wants to go out there into the world and make a name for herself and, you know, avenge her, you know, father's death that was killed by the same mom. Anyway, um, we get a taste of this when, you know, Renfield is hanging out at the bar local hangout where he was uh, getting some of his victims from. Of course, you know, there are some numerous jokes in the movie about the nuns, the cheerleaders and the tourists and the honeymooners all showing up. But, you know, Aquafina shows up, too, and is looking to chase down a lead into the murder case of these people being abducted. She meets Renfield, but right when Renfield's about to try to make an escape, a bunch of people come in and basically are part of the hitman crew that are trying to kill Aquafina. And, uh, you know, again, Renfield eats the bugs, gets powerful, and defeats all the, you know, bad guys that are in this club, kills them you know, without a hesitation, basically killed guys in half with, you know, serving plates. Um, and then we see all this and we're just like, oh my God, I can't believe it was just that gory. But he, there he goes doing basically God knows what. All right, Aquafina becomes friends with him. There's a little flirtation going on there. Uh, the people in the tavern, you know, in the pub, whatever you want to call it, are safe. Um, you know, Renfield basically offers his assistance um, and then Dracula kind of catches on to this, you know, through his psychic connection, so to speak. You know, we see Dracula getting angry at Renfield because Renfield's basically trying to assert dominance for the first time in their relationship. You know, he's saying, I have no need of doing this anymore. I don't want to bring you your victims. You know, I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to be the good guy. Or, you know, rather, he wants to side with humanity. Uh, this disgusts Dracula as Dracula basically thinks of himself as a god, which, you know, at that point, with all the powers that he has and what you see him turning into bats and basically killing people like crazy, you kind of get a, a pretty good idea that he's pretty much unstoppable. But, you know, Renfield goes his own way. Dracula tracks him down. There's more hilarity that ensues. 
Um, but anyway, the summary of the story is the mob joins with Dracula in order to take down Renfield and Aquafina, aligning their interests together. Dracula wants to rule the world and basically get rid of anyone who's weak and not necessary. You know, you have the people who are his followers and then food, basically. And everybody else is just basically caught in the middle. So uh, there you go. That's the summary of the story. And Renfield and Aquafina, of course, work together to take out these bad guys, um, which is unbelievable. Uh, there's even a point in the ridiculousness of the action movie where Renfield, you know, Nicholas Holt's character, rips the arms off somebody and basically uses it as nunchucks and then pins people to walls, killing them instantly with these spear-like arms, which is unbelievably insane. Like I said, some of the gross things uh, this movie is well known for probably show up a lot. Um, so, okay, what do I want to say? To, and what do I want to say now? Well, I'm going to kind of summarize my general thoughts on this movie because I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, all right, so I think they spent their whole special effects on, you know, budget, and I think that was fantastic. I think the casting was perfect. I think everyone who's in that uh, movie was well cast and did a great job. Uh, I think that the only thing I wish was improved was the script. In fact, that's probably a minor inconvenience because, like, I felt like this movie had such potential. Um, you know, like I said, it makes sense why it's bad because it was bad because it came out during that same revival era like The Mummy. And, like I said, the, you know, The Invisible Man. Uh, having said all that, I actually thought it was probably one of the better ones I've seen. Um, and I knew it was going to be bad going into it. So with that mindset knowing it was going to be bad, knowing that it was going to have bad, you know, writing or bad effects in the movie, you know, I just enjoyed it. You know, I wasn't watching this for realism. I was watching it for entertainment, and it definitely entertained. Um, you know, like I said, if you're squeamish or you don't like blood and guts, maybe not exactly the best movie to see if you've never seen one before. Um, and also, you know, a lot of gross things in the movie in general, but... You know, bug eating, nothing that really bothers me, but, you know, that's pretty disturbing too. Um, actually, I, I do want to say that the previews were more disturbing than the entire movie, so um, it was, you know, unsettling to me, but my scare factor was still pretty low. You know, like if I was going to say I was scared, not really. You know, I'd give it a 1 or 2 out of 10 in the scare factor, um, you know, because that's not what this movie was designed for. You know, it was designed as, like, a cheap, gimmicky Halloween movie in my head. Um, and it just happened to come out because it was delayed by COVID for, you know, years and years and years. So, anyway, came out finally. Um, and uh, a couple other thoughts I have on it. Um, besides the writing that could have been improved, you know, like I said, the potential is there. So, I hope that it is successful and that people go see it. But I don't see this being a movie to see in theaters. Um, I'm going to talk about that experience now. When I saw it in theaters, it was late Saturday night. It's my first late night movie in many, many years. Um, you know, I did not like going to see a movie uh, late at night because there were basically obnoxious teenagers and tweens everywhere. Um, this is a rated R movie. Should not have had that problem. But you know, I find that when there is late nights and Saturday night or Friday night, like, kids are going to get in trouble. They're going to go from movie to movies, and yeah, they'll kick them out, but, 
you know, uh, I kept seeing kids walk up and down the steps, which again, something I probably can't really control or understand, but you know, hey, that's, that's life. Um, I was just saying that like, it disturbed my movie theater experience a little bit because while I'm trying to enjoy this insanely gory, you know, campy Halloween-like movie, you know, I keep getting pulled back into the real world because there's too many things happening on the left of me. You know, when there are people walking up and down the steps the whole time, you know, like, and it wasn't like they had like gone somewhere else and came back. It was like they came in when the movie was mostly over with to see it. So anyway, don't know why people would want to switch movies like that anyway. You know, you're not going to understand what's going on. Um, okay. So what do I give the movie? I give it a two out of five. Um, it's worth saying if you like the jokes and the campiness of it. But this is not going to win any awards anytime soon. This isn't going to win over my heart. I'm not going to say it's even worth going to see it in theaters. You know, maybe save this for Halloween this year. Save it for when it goes on streaming. Save it for, you know, something that's worthwhile. Um, In my head, while it was fun to go see in theaters and I enjoyed it, I definitely would say that arguably this is one of those things that the past is enabling me to go do. Um, you know, before when I was buying movie tickets, I'd only want to go see very, very few movies because I felt like it wasn't worth it 99% of the time to go see it in theaters. And, uh, this movie, it is not worth it to go see it in theaters in my head. But having said that, um, you know, there, there are people out there who are huge horror and Dracula fans. And, you know, those are the kind of people who need to go see it. And, um, yeah, that's kind of it overall. Two out of five. Would not recommend to go see it in theaters, but stream it, though, definitely when it comes out. And definitely watch it for Halloween this year if you like that stuff. Um, don't take the kids to go see this one. And, uh, yeah, it, overall, like I said, great casting. Needed improvements on writing, but, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. Anyway, you've been listening to the Coffee and Books and Movie Podcast, and I'm your host, Scott, and uh, thank you again, and remember to share this with a friend if you liked it, and uh, have a great rest of your day, everyone.